Gather around, everybody. I, I want to tell you a true story about a brave woman who pushed through her fear to save her people from mass murder. Sounds like maybe a movie or a book you might read. Well, it is a book. It's the book of Esther. And we are back in our summer series as we look at nine Old Testament stories that really happened and we're going to be learning some great uh, principles and things from each story this summer. And so we're in the story of uh, Esther today, or you may have known her as Hadessa. That was her Jewish name. Uh, but she was Queen Esther, uh, and she was a young Jewish woman who was orphaned and raised by a cousin named Mordecai. He was older, raised her like his own daughter. And they lived in the capital city of Susa, that was a citadel city for uh, the king Ahasuerus, which in history you might better know as Xerxes. And so uh, the Medes and the Persians. And so this is uh, Ahasuerus and his palace. And Mordecai was taken from Jerusalem and Hadessa, and they were made captives, and their home was in Susa. It's funny, this story does not mention God one time, not once in 10 chapters, 167 verses, 5,637 words, uh, God is not mentioned, but his hand of protection is obviously seen and using these difficult circumstances to further his plans uh, for, uh, for us even today. For example, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, uh, he threw a huge elaborate party that lasted, are you ready for this, 180 days, uh, six months. He had a party for six months, and it was a wine party. It wasn't even that much of a banquet. It was really just six months of drinking with uh, all of his leaders from across the 127 provinces uh, throughout the known world uh, that were leaders of those provinces. So he, he had them come. And um, the, the nation, or I should say the kingdom of Ahasuerus took up 5.5 million square miles from Ethiopia up into what we'd call uh, today modern India. So at the height of this drunken party that he's having, he calls for Vashti. Vashti was his queen. And so she was asked to come out and uh, he wanted to show her off. She was a beautiful woman and he wanted to show her off. And the scholars believe, as you read the book of Esther, when you get into chapter one, verse 11, scholars believe that Xerxes wanted his wife to come out in nothing but her crown, nothing on but her crown. And so Vashti um, uh, wisely, I think, refused, and certainly it ticked off the king. And so she was dethroned and was sent back to the harem just to be another wife or another concubine. So a new search began for a new wife and queen for the king. And so Hadessa uh, becomes one of the finalists uh, as she was discovered and brought to the palace, and she took on the name of Esther to conceal her Jewish heritage. And so Esther finds great favor. It took months and months and months of preparation uh, before she would be presented to the king, and so she and several others were presented. 
and the king found great favor, um, developed this uh, uh, attraction to her, and she becomes the next uh, Mrs. Ahasuerus, or queen for short. Her cousin Mordecai uh, would walk outside the front of the palace so that he could check on Esther, who stayed behind the walls of the palace at all times. And so Mordecai, he was a good man. And, and so at one point during one of these times when he was trying to check on Esther, he overhears a plot to kill King Xerxes or Ahasuerus, and he reports it, and the conspirators were, were captured and, and they, were, uh, uh, they were hung. It's interesting that this story goes down in the king's journals, but really, basically, Mordecai is soon forgotten. Well, there's another person that comes into our story, and that's a guy by the name of Haman. Haman was a Persian, he was a, a muckety-muck bigwig. Uh, uh, somehow he had some type of governmental job, and he was, he was stuck on himself. He, he was a legend in his own mind. And so he demanded that the commoners bow down to him as he walked by every day. And what's interesting, it was within his power and scope to do that, but uh, historians say that really most governmental leaders did not demand that. They left that for the king, uh, for him to demand. And so uh, Haman, he loved the power. He just loved it. And so Mordecai would not bow down to, um, to Haman. And so um, Haman just hated Mordecai for that. Everybody else would at least bow down or curtsy, but he wouldn't. He stood up true and strong, and he just refused to do that. So Haman decides he's going to kill Mordecai. But he's not just going to kill Mordecai. He's going to take it further than that. Haman decided that he was going to wipe out Mordecai's heritage. He was going to wipe out all of his people, the Jews. And he offered King Ahasuerus $15 million in today's money, $15 million today for the exclusive right to murder, mass murder, genocide, uh, the people of God's covenant. This is the very same people that the Messiah would come from Judah, from the line of David, um, some 500 years later. And God was not going to let the lineage of Jesus in there. Back to our story. So Mordecai was brokenhearted at the genocide order. I mean, can you imagine? And, and he... He was in mourning. So what they would do back then, they would take off their regular clothes and they would put on uh, sackcloth or like burlap, if you remember the old burlap bags, and would wear burlap and they would put dust on their head and they would put ashes and they would mourn and cry. And, and he was truly broken by this news. And here he is right out inside, outside the front of uh, the palace and he's doing this that was against the law. The law was that nobody could be sad in King Ahasuerus' presence. And so Esther sees this, and, he, and she sends uh, clothes out to him, uh, trying to get him to put the clothes on, and she was trying to find out why he was so broken and what was going on about uh, their people. And 
And so she was trying to find all of this out. So Esther uh, sends out servants to find out what's wrong. And, and, and so the terrible news uh, that Mordecai had, strong words from Mordecai, as he reached out to her and said, you have to save our people from being killed. You've got to go see the king. There was a problem with that. And the problem was that Esther didn't want to try and see her husband, the king, because there was another law on the books that anybody who tried to come in to see the king uninvited that if the king did not uh, raise the scepter and extend it to the person, then they were to be killed. Well, he already had a track record of getting rid of one queen already, and she was fearful that this would happen. And so uh, Mordecai answers her and really strongly answers her in Esther 4. In verse 13, Mordecai uh, sent this reply to Esther. Now, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape from all the other, uh, all the other Jews uh, who are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives are going to die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Wow. For, for just such a time as this. Esther sends back a reply and says, well, then, then go gather everybody together, get all the Jews in, of Susa and fast for me. Um, get your knees on the prayer mat. You know, just uh, uh, hold me up in prayer. Prayer and fasting. Don't eat, don't drink for three days and three nights. Pray, fast. Let's think this through. Let's ask God to work, right? And then she said, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king, and if I must die, I must die. I will go in to see the king. Whoop, there it is. There it is. This, this amazing Esther stands up to the unique challenge that comes her way. Esther was in this wonderful place to be able to serve others in a way that nobody else could. And, and she was put into this unique place to serve and help by God. Now, how about you? Let me ask you, what is God doing in your life right now? Think about it. Uh, what door is he opening for you to serve others in Jesus' name? And are you willing to be used by God where you are, at work or in your neighborhood or within your family, uh, uh, within an organization? How about that? Well, a couple of thoughts this morning. First of all, Esther was a reluctant servant. You know, there's no criticism here, not at all. I, I just think she did not think of herself as a tool in God's hands. I, I don't think she thought that way. I think, um, I think she was really fearful and self-doubting, but she was. She was a tool on God's tool belt. And by the way, so are you and me. We are tools in God's tool belt to be his hands and his feet, to be his mouth, to be his heart. And, and so um, I think she kind of took on uh, the opinion that Helen Keller, uh, the, the blind um, 
philanthropist. She said, I'm only one, but I, I, but still I am one. I can't do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. You know, in this COVID season, you can be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a time when people aren't really looking at the Lord. They're looking at their circumstances. They're, they're looking at life through lenses of sadness and despair. And I, I want to encourage you that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can be the lips of Christ. You can be the peacemaker in your family or at work. Uh, where the vortex of drama is taking place around the water cooler. Uh, you know, you can tell your story to people that you're eating lunch with or to neighbors as you have opportunity. You can tell your story and share Jesus, what he's done in your life. You, you have the opportunity to be in an area of being an influencer to those that are in your bubble, in your circle, in your life. There is kingdom work uh, that can be done all around us during this season. And Esther was facing the annihilation of her race. Can you imagine that? And think about this. Esther had to make a decision to act or not act. Uh, Esther had to know that the problem was not going to take care of itself. It was not going to go away all by itself. That she was in a place to be able to help. Esther had to accept that the need would not go away. And sometimes that's how God gets our attention. And, and so uh, Mordecai goes back to the Jews and, and asks them to pray for three days and three nights. And, and, and they were just helping to help prepare her for this great role that the Lord had for her. Now, question, what is God saying to you right now? What is he laying on your heart right now? I want you to listen to it. I want you to sit with it. What is God calling you to do? You might wish somebody else would do it, but what is God calling you to do? There's a second thing, and that is Esther answered the call of God. Esther had to accept the fact that no decision was a decision. And so she offered herself to God. This is where it all happens first, right? With offering ourselves to God. I, I want you to meet a friend of mine. Um, I have a picture up of a lady named Becky Miller. And when I was missions pastor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, several years ago, a very successful realtor, Becky uh, Miller, came to see me in my office in Baton Rouge one day back in 2006. And she was wanting to help with international ministry at um, Louisiana State University. Go Tigers, Sharbra. And um, I invited her to uh, come and go to Uganda with us. We were getting ready to, uh, we had a missions partnership there. And invited her to come and go with us on the trip. And of course, she gave me all the reasons why she couldn't go. And, and I, I just simply said, would you pray about it? Would you just see what God maybe would have you to do? And to my surprise, she joined us, and she went on the trip. She fell in love with Uganda. 
And I might just say, Uganda fell in love with Becky. And it was an amazing trip. She just connected so well with boys and girls and, and with uh, adults. She made several trips with us to Uganda. And finally, there came a time in her life she actually moved there. Becky left her real estate business and she moved to, uh, to be in Uganda. And while she was there, God began impressing upon her this wonderful ministry called Imagine Acts Ministry, I Am for short, and she commissioned a Ugandan uh, artist to create a series of picture books. Uganda has very much an oral society. And so uh, she developed these picture books, and you can see some of the pictures uh, as I'm talking. And, and so she began traveling all over Uganda. She had other people that went other places into villages, and they would read the stories from creation to the cross. And people were coming to know Christ as their savior. Many have come to faith. And now this former realtor who had no confidence at all is now this woman heading up a ministry. Get this, they're building a hospital in Uganda right now. You see, Becky was like Aunt Esther. She answered her call. Remember, no decision is a decision, but it's the wrong decision. And so I think of our church right now in these history-making days, uh, 140 years old and thriving um, because uh, our church pivoted at the right time throughout the years, throughout the history of our church. And God is asking us to pivot again as we enter the next normal. Yes, indeed, we, we lament at the changes in our, in our life and where we work and in school and, and how we conduct business and what we do and, and even here at church. But understand this, realizing that we lament, but we also do it with anticipation, just like Esther did, that we are the next chapter of the history in the Niagara region, and that we're the next wave. God is going to use us, this next wave that he's sending to us, this season that he is, he's having us go through and he's sharing in our lives, that we get to share the impact of the gospel as we seamlessly weave the digital world and the physical world together. For example, you're watching this message digitally. You're watching it on your computer or through your TV. In just a moment, you're going to go into the kitchen and get some coffee or make a sandwich. You see, already seamlessly, we're using the digital world seamlessly with the physical world. And it's going to continue to do that in our everyday life. This is our Esther time. We are still here and we're thriving for such a time as this and, and no movement and, and, or no changing to the need in front of us. That is a decision, a decision that our kids and the next generation cannot afford for us to make. We need to offer ourselves as Esther did for such a time as this, where we live and where we work and, and, and uh, in the community and with our friends that we have been called to be the next generation that's taking the next normal that has been foisted upon us that none of us have asked for. And God has called us to weave 
the, the digital and the physical together as we, as we invite people to worship with us, as we get ready to regather in the fall, but still with, with our services and, and live streaming. Uh, this is an amazing time in our history. And I just, I just think it's so important for us that uh, our past leaders who have gotten us this far and who we are today and the future leaders of our church and until Christ comes, that we, that people are counting on us, the community is counting on us. Long story short, Esther went to see the king and he gladly helped her protect her people and punish the one responsible for trying to bring mass genocide. And God wants us to make ourselves available to him. There's two passages and we're finished today. And that is Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. If you find yourself a little timid about stepping forward to serve uh, your neighbors around you or, or to serve people at work or, or to help people that are in need, Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Jesus reminds us of something so important for our church. He, he taught in, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Esther, and you and me have been given much in our lives through the years. And much is expected of us, beginning with each of us this morning as we offer ourselves afresh and anew. I wonder if you just bow your head right where you are, maybe at the cottage or maybe in your living room or outside on the, on the patio, um, wherever you might be. Would you just bow your head? And let's pray this morning right where we are, offer ourselves, Lord, I give myself to you for such a time as this in our culture and in our world. I don't know maybe necessarily what you want me to do, but I'm all yours. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I, I, I'm, I'm your young man, your young woman. I'm the boy. I'm the girl. We give ourselves to you. Much has been given. And God wants us to use much in giving back what God's called us to do. And our Heavenly Father, I pray for our church family this morning. Thank you for Esther. Thank you for the wonderful story of truth and the wonderful example that she is in a very precarious moment that she said, you know, I'm here for such a time as this. And Lord, she stepped up to the plate. She swung for the fences. And God, I pray that you would use us during this COVID season as a church and as families, as individuals. Lord, would you use us to connect with people? Would you use us to love each other and to encourage one another and to love people who are outside our, our community and to love people that we work with or go to school with soon or, or live next door to us? God, use us to lift up and encourage and bless Lord, use us to be able to be the hands and feet and the lips of Jesus, of what the gospel 
the impact of you, Lord, in our lives. Jesus, we love you, and thank you for the privilege of serving at such a time as this. In Christ's name, amen. If I can be of help to you or answer any questions or help you kind of like Becky to sit down and determine how can you go further, what is it God wants you to do, that would be our privilege of any of our pastors or myself. And you can reach me at pat at waynefleetbick.com. And um, we, we'll be glad to help any way we can. Or maybe God's speaking to you about himself to you, of Jesus and his love for you. And you want to know more about what this gospel means. What does it mean to know God and, and to have relationship with him? It would be a privilege for us to talk about it. I hope you have a great week this week. And ask God, even now, what is it he's calling you for? Such a time as this. You are loved. Take care.